0: What's happening, XFL football fans? This is XFL Game Day, presented by Football Game Plan David Hassagin here with the Czar of the Playbook Emory Hunt, Scott Churchin, Alex Marinoni, and Troy Anthony. And we are here to talk about XFL week number two. Another exciting week of action. Let's get a quick rundown of all the scores here before we get into the discussion. DC defenders 27 to nothing over the New York Guardians. Stifling defense again from D.C. The Guardians looking a little weak and maybe talking about the off-field issues rather than the on-field. We'll talk about that later. Seattle Dragons put up a good defensive display. They beat Tampa Bay 17-9 couple of really big defensive plays from there, and they finish with three interceptions, four sacks, and 11 tackles for loss. On to Sunday's action, the Dallas Renegades 25-18 over the L.A. Wildcats. Slow start for two quarterbacks in this one, but really picked it up in the second half. Dallas pours it on. L.A., the first three-point play. Well, technically, it was from the five, but we won't care about that. It still counted for three points. And the final game, the best for last, came between Houston and St. Louis. The Roughnecks get the win 28-24 at home. Really good quarterback duel between Tiamu and P.J. Walker in this one, but it's the Roughnecks that are victorious. Let's take a look at the standings through two weeks of the XFL season. D.C. on top of the East at 2-0. St. Louis and New York both 1-1. Tampa Bay 0 and 2 to start the season in the West. Houston, the only undefeated team, 2 and 0. Seattle and Dallas at 1 and 1 with L.A. at 0 and 2. So, gentlemen, let's get into this. We've now seen two weeks of N- XFL action, and it's safe to say that this new league has certainly captured the attention of the media, especially social media. A lot of opinions out there. A lot of but about the you know what we always talk about in Fort Paul, the quarterback play. A lot of people saying it's trash. A lot of it saying it's very trash, and yet something tells me I think P.J. Walker's pretty good. I, I don't know what what that is, but uh, <laughs> it, it seems like somebody should have seen that a long time ago that P.J. Walker was a good football player. Listen, we are on only what
1: <laughs> uh, eight minutes into the show, probably. How long was your your intro? Man? Actually, that was um, we're only at the two fifteen mark. Wow, Thank that was, was very cool. good. All right. So we're two minutes and fifteen seconds into the show, and I'm just about to just let it all out on the table. It's funny how all of the black quarterbacks are playing exceptionally well, but the conversation is that the quarterbacks in the league are trash. Let's look at who's playing well, and I want to get your, your, your guys' thoughts on it. A, a simple yes or no. PJ Walker.
2: Yes,
3: sir. Pretty Can good. Anybody say no? Not too bad.
1: Cardell Jones. Man, yeah, leading the league in passing yards yeah. at 5'11. Jordan Tiamu. Solid quarterback. Yeah. Samoans are technically.
2: I, I, thought he's, I thought he's been very much.
1: So mad. one drop rule, Dave. I'll teach you about the history of, of that you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> history lesson that you, <laughs> that you have bypassed. So, yeah, but Tamu has been excellent so far in the first two games. Okay, so those three are the top three quarterbacks in the game. They're playing well. Their teams are, are competitive. They make the game look fun. Now let's look at the other side. Aaron Murray. Trash. Mm. Matt McGloin.
3: Yeah, uh, <laughs> What's r- b- exactly.
1: Side <laughs> Landry Jones' debut.
0: Now, now, he, I will say this with Landry Jones: he threw for three hundred five. He, he looked, threw three he was, interceptions. He was really, really bad by his own admission in the first half. Did look better in the second in the second half. And again, it was his first week and the first time yeah. playing game action.
1: Because right, because Josh Johnson didn't look as good as well, but he looked better than Landry Jones. No, he, absolutely. He however, when you look at Landry Jones and. Why they look better in the second half? Because Cameron Artis Payne started getting the football, and they stopped throwing the ball. Had a very good game for sure. But but my whole point is that I don't think the league's play is, at quarterback, is overall terrible. Alex has a great article up on footballgameplan.com, which you go check out, explaining that. But while we here on, on the show cuz we know people don't like to read. Alex, explain your reasoning. <laughs> of,
3: <laughs> why There's time for that anymore? Reading.
1: Right. <laughs> explain reading. why you came about this this thought process of the quarterback play being prompted
0: prom, prompting reading while we're on a podcast where everyone's <laughs> listening. But anyway.
2: <laughs> well, I mean it's it's simple. I mean everybody wants now now now. Everybody's trying to compare this league to NFL uh, other NFL teams and NFL leagues when this league is in year 1. These guys especially the quarter, uh, quarterback position, have had, what, 13, 14 weeks to practice together? Yeah. And that's as a team. So you have these guys, and a lot of them, as I mentioned in the, in the article, you got guys like Matt McGloin, Landry Jones, and Josh Johnson, who the last time they took real snaps in the NFL in professional setting, 2016, 17, and 18, all respectively. So at least one-plus years these guys are going, not taking real snaps uh, where they're viewed as the guy. And if you remember, Josh Johnson was with the Redskins. He was filling in for, yeah. at the time, Mark Sanchez. And before that, whoever it was, I got her. I think it, maybe it was Kirk Cousins. I don't even know at this point. It was that <laughs> long ago. But that, he, they were never viewed as the guy. They were the stopgap to get through the season. Landry Jones was Ben Roethlisberger's stopgap. Uh, Matt McGloin was Derek Carr's stopgap. They were never viewed as the guy. So All these right. guys aren't taking real snaps since college. Look at Cardell Jones and P.J. Walker. Last time P.J. Walker took a real snap that meant something was at the University of Temple in 2016. The last time Cardell Jones took a real snap was in the national championship game in 2015. It's 2020, and you're asking these guys to get on the field in 14, 15, whatever the camp was of weeks with their team to get on the field and lead these guys in a new system, in a brand-new league with new rules and get going. I think the fact that people are trying to compare this to Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson, who have been in their systems for seven, eight, nine years. I mean, I know they got a new coach in uh, in Green Bay, but still you're talking about a professional quarterback with yeah. his team for that long in that setting where things are going their way. It's just not comparable. And over time, you're going to see these guys are going to get better and better. And in, until then, I think it's just crazy the amount of backlash that they've gotten. I, th- I think
0: the people that are, are, are looking at this and they're complaining about this, let me ask them that question. Do you rather, would you rather have right now Cardell Jones or Mason Rudolph? Huh. Would you rather have Jordan Tamu or Gardner Minshew? I think it's a pretty sizable debate. I think these guys are good enough to at least be second string. In some cases, they might be NFL starters the way they've played. Now, again, we're not going to say that this is NFL-level talent across the board because it isn't. It just isn't. Otherwise, they'd be there right now but they're still lighting it up in professional football with guys that are who are former D1 stars, and they're absolutely destroying teams. And what what P.J. Walker's doing, the only reason he's not in the NFL is because he doesn't have any height, which is ridiculous because we always say it here at Football Game Plan, size isn't the skill. Well,
4: apparently it still is. Well, never mind. It isn't. He's tearing things up. Well, the fact of the matter is they're saying that the quarterback play is trash when we all say that it wasn't. But if they're going to sit here and compare it to the NFL, well, NFL has barely 32 Legitimate starters in the NFL Barely And then you got the 32 that are backing them up and if then the, the third string's after them, exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, what are we dealing with here? Guys who are ranked what maybe 90th to 100th in the nation roundabout, and there's still guys who are putting in work like Cardell, Teamu, and Walker who are putting on tape that they, maybe they should be earning one of these paychecks in the NFL. And to just lump them in and say that they're trash, it's completely unacceptable because these guys are balling out. Uh, right now, passing leaders, P.J. Walker is last with 440, not last, of of those oh, three. Right, yeah. He's third of those three with 442 yards, and he's arguably looking like the best quarterback in of those three, arguably. And then when you take in the rushing yards as well, Te'amu has over 100 rushing yards in two games so far. So these guys are bawling out, and it's just unacceptable to, to lump them in and say that their quarterback
3: play isn't good. I think part of the problem is the fans are impatient. You yeah. know, going into this, they're looking at what the Super Bowl was. And honestly, that was a great Super Bowl. They go from that to literally the XFL. And there is a noticeable drop, I think, arguably, because you're going, you know, Pat Mahomes. Right. You know, <laughs> and Garoppolo much, versus...
0: Although uh, P.J. Walker did his best Mahomes impression with that sidearm That sidearm was gorgeous. <laughs> so we can't, yeah. you can't even throw but, that in there. But, but, but I
3: think people are expecting NFL-level talent. You guys talked about it. They were expecting NFL-level talent. And when they, don't, when they set the bar that high... They're only setting themselves up for disappointment. Now, you guys said it. This has only been two weeks into it. These guys haven't had a chance to gel. They haven't had really had a strong chance to really bond yet. And that, that that's going to obviously happen as the season goes on, on both sides of the ball, though. Yeah. But I think it, a lot of it just comes down to that reactionary response from the fans of, you know, this isn't as good. It sucks. Yeah, Yeah, I
1: just don't, I don't understand what people are expecting. Like, people are expecting, like you guys brought up, Pat Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, Tom Brady, and but if that was the case, they would be starting on NFL teams. Right. So what I've always said, and this is a part, a point that people always miss, when people always say on online, and you know how the, it's everything goes in cycles. Oh, we miss football. Football is. I'm glad football back <laughs> when preseason comes. Right. Yeah. I'm glad football is back, and then they talk about how trash preseason is, <laughs> or they spend all off season talking about, man, this guy should get drafted. We should. This guy is ranked this way, this way. So they talk about all these prospects. Preseason come, they call preseason trash. But this is when you want to see your guys that you talked about all spring and winter get opportunities. And I've always said this, that if you allow guys the continuity to work with each other, the play will get Mm -hmm. better. So those preseason games won't look like preseason games if guys played together for consecutive weeks and got those reps. That's what the XFL is. We're seeing guys get reps. Guys are now more confident. P.J. Walker. People brought up him in regards to him not playing well with the Colts and saying, "Well, he sucked with the Colts in preseason." Well, you're going into a game when you may only get a quarter, and out that quarter you may only get two series, two or three series, and now you gotta. You're also, you know, playing with the the weight on your shoulders of, man, I gotta make sure I make an impression, right, to to mm-hmm. make sure I stand out to make the team. So now every throw is going to try to be like John Elway. Every receiver is going to try to make a Lin Swan catch. Right. Every <laughs> offensive lineman is going to try to do pancake blocks. So you have everyone is out for self because of the situation that's created. Because they're all third stringers as well. And they're mm-hmm. trying to make a the, the, the name for themselves and trying to make the team. Here, everyone is understandably on the team. They know that going in, they can go prepare like they're starters. They prepare. It's back to normal for them like they were in college. That's why we're seeing such a more cohesive, more exciting game. People need to just chill out. Some guys are not that good, and they haven't been that good since they were prospects, and people have to understand that that is the case. It's not because the XFL; It's because that particular player is not good. We talked about Tampa Bay. If Tampa just goes and does the right thing and starts Quentin Flowers, we'll be sitting here talking about four good quarterbacks in the league instead of three.
0: Yeah, and I think you talk about, too, you talking about the, uh, the cohesion aspect of it. You talk about Josh Johnson and Landry Jones. The first half of that game was awful. I mean it was it was just flat out bad. There were turnovers all over the place. You had interceptions, fumbles, missed handoffs, everything. The third quarter of that game you saw both guys kinda click in and you saw them the quality that they, that they had, which some of the other quarterbacks in the league we still haven't seen from them, even though they had all training camp in the first two weeks. But in terms of the overall play, you look like a guy like Jordan Tomo. He's second in passing right now. And third in rushing in the league. Like, you might as well call him the XFL version of Lamar Jackson. Just a lot slower. Much slower. Speaking of which, uh, Landry Jones, don't try to run again. And if you do try to run again, at least put it on, like, three times speed, speeding up. Yeah. Because that was just... That was no. That was absolutely no.
2: The one thing I think the perspective everybody, like we've hammered, is that everybody's trying to compare it, like we've been saying, to the NFL. But I think what what the fans need to do is appreciate the fact that we get to watch Cardell Jones if P.J. Walker and all these guys get on the field. Because yeah. if there was no XFL, Cardell Jones may never play football. Mm. Uh, P.J. Walker, because of his height, he may never play football. We're getting another opportunity and another chance for these guys to get on the field and we get to, and we get to watch, and a lot of questions are going to get answered. When we watched the AF right away, we saw Brandon Silvers win the job over what all the experts say the XFL needs Johnny Manziel and needs all <laughs> these other quarterbacks in the league to have star power. Well, Brandon Silvers outplayed Johnny Manziel and won the job there, and so he was one of the guys I was looking at here in the XFL, and what he's proven is that this might be his ceiling. This at best right. it, it, I mean we still got a long season to go But this might be his ceiling Whereas after the AF, You were thinking Is this guy a potential NFL candidate I know he was on a roster um, in, in, uh, for, On a scout team what we need to appreciate is these guys are getting another chance to play and show off their game because the last time anyone has really seen Cardell Jones play football, it was doing the improbable as a third string quarterback and winning the national championship. And that could have been the last time we've ever seen him play. And now we're watching him on a national stage.
0: And and I think you bring up a good point with with a guy like Silvers, he might be a guy that is an XFL quarterback and that's his thing. And that's fine. Yeah. Like here's the <laughs> thing, it's still a fully professional, top you know, top level league. And if the XFLs begins to grow and thrive, which looks like initially it will, he might be the quarterback of the Seattle Dragons for four or five weird years. Which, when you think about it, he might be one. They might be one of the few teams to have a consistent quarterback <laughs> because either quarterbacks are going to get dropped, you know, and just released at right. the end of the year, or you're going to have a guy like a P.J. Walker or a Cardell Jones who are probably going to go back to the NFL. And there's going to be that rotation. You get a guy that's consistently you know, all right. He's good in this league, but not anywhere else.
1: Who knows, he might turn into a pretty good pro for you. Well, you see it in the CFL. You see right. guys that are good, and they consistently stay up there, and they just become legends, become stars. Now, some guys are trying to trickle down south. You see Bo by Mitchell get some some calls uh, from the Vikings and teams like that to for his services. But you look at guys like Mike Riley, uh, Bo by Mitchell, Vernon Adams, who should have been in the NFL, is now in the CFL, and it just got re-signed by the Montreal Alouettes. So he's embracing the game up there. Yeah. So you see guys get to a level and they just want to play football, and if they're doing this at the XFL level, it's going to be around for a very long time.
0: So that'll be interesting to watch. We talked about the quarterback play. To talk about, well, quarterback something. It's not exactly <laughs> a, a play here. Play still qualifies here.
3: though. Technically, it may be a little bit of quote, but it's still you know. Can, in can quotes.
0: you can you play the microphone? I think I think so. I think that I've heard that before. You can play the microphone yeah. all you want. Let's talk. We we talked last week. We talked about. How the broadcast has been done. I think we all agree that they've done, for the most part, a good job. They've kept it professional, but we talked about that interview portion of it in game on the sideline and how we thought maybe it's gone too far and done this or that or whatever. But you always knew there was going to be a possibility with that kind of an access that there was going to be a sound bite, that something was going to come up where, you know, and we thought, I thought personally, I thought it was going to be unwittingly. Like you'd have somebody mic'd up and you'd hear like a conversation between a coach and a player or two different players, or wherever, I didn't think it was going to be the one-on-one interview where we get the soundbite, and that we go to the first game of last weekend, that was D.C. versus New York, and we got to talk about Matt McCloin, Um New York's quarterback who was okay in week one, did enough to get the job done, got some help from his defense um, against Tampa Bay, got absolutely smoked by D.C., and, and let's be honest, D.C. is one of the best, best teams in this league. They're probably top three, along with Houston and, and St. Louis. But he got absolutely trashed, and then trashed everybody else uh, in his post-game comments. So uh, Scott, I, I think you have the exact quote for us. I uh, do
3: have it right here. Yeah, he quoted, and like I said, like you said, on the national stage. By the way. The, yeah, in the in the interview. In the interview, and this probably will not be the last quote. I think the XFL is gonna, you know, is gonna have like yeah. this They're gonna have to deal with. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on behind closed doors. We need to clean that up. Communication is especially is one, and it showed today. At no point in time that I think we were comfortable out there. At no point in time that I think we were in a position to try to be successful. I think it was pretty easy to see. Unquote. And that was
1: at halftime, right?
0: No, that was, that was in the fourth quarter. The halftime okay. one was a lot more angry and a yeah. lot more blunt. Something to the effect of, we need to change the entire offensive mm-hmm. game plan. And then in, in between those two interviews, we had an, you had an interaction between him and Kevin Gilbride where you could hear McGloin saying, "You know, I've told you about this. You know, I don't want to name names, but I've told you about this for weeks. You literally have a quarterback throwing the entire coaching staff <laughs> on live television during the game. Like, like we've seen this with players when they're tweeting from the locker room at halftime. We've never seen it in front of the camera live. Did First, Matt McGloin go too far here, and why in the world is he still going to be on the roster by the time Week 3 comes around?
1: There's a lot to unpack here. Um, when you look at his comments at halftime, let's start there. You know, we need to change the entire game plan, like, We've seen something similar from that from coaches before. Timeout, bro. You are the reason why the game plan <laughs> is not working. Like we need to change you. Your co- your backup quarterback is Marquise Williams, who had North Carolina in the ACC title game and left that team. That team was ninety eight percent intact to Mitchell Trubisky, who promptly went eight and five and didn't do as same, do, do the same thing with that same roster in, in uh, ACC. a matter of fact, because of that non-success, he got himself drafted second overall. In a draft that also had P.J. Walker and yeah. a guy that should have been playing in NFL in Gerard Evans who started one year at Virginia Tech and guess what? Had Virginia Tech in the ACC title game. But I'll step back off that toe box to get back on <laughs> to – Matt McLaurin. you're the reason why the game plan is not working. You, you can't throw downfield. you miss numerous deep shots. Mikhail McKay is wide open. Your tight end, Jake Powell, is probably the best tight end in the league right now. He's been the only effective guy consistently on that team. And you go to him early, and then you forget he exists. So <laughs> I always wonder, when, now this is just a halftime talk. Talk about throwing away the entire game plan or changing the entire game plan. Bro, it starts
4: and ends with you. You should be benched. One thing I will give McLain is that that offensive line is
0: completely depleted. They did have two in- major injuries going into that game.
4: Going into the game and I believe it was def- it was either in the-, in the first quarter or early in the second, they had another O-line go down for, and you also for had- the
0: game. And Darius Victor got injured in that game as well. He yeah. took a big shot yeah, on from that Scooby big Ryan. What yeah. happened in week 1 though? He was okay for a quarter while they had the running game
4: and when they went to the tight end position. So like I was saying, I'll give him that. But that's all I'm willing to give him because, one, as a quarterback, it is your job to command the team. Whatever game plan is is set in motion or not, it is your job to get everybody on pace. It is your job to get everybody in groove and function. Get it going. Number two, it doesn't matter what the game plan was. The fact of the matter is there was plenty of times where he had wide receivers wide open and he, he couldn't hit them. He, he couldn't even find them. He couldn't find them at all. He was throwing it out of bounds, throwing it too high at receiver's feet. At receiver's feet, it doesn't matter what the game plan was, how upset you are at the game plan. It would have worked if you would have done your job and hit the open receivers. And, and the biggest thing,
0: too, that I saw from this is that this is the guy that New York took to be their franchise guy. <laughs> he was one of the first eight <laughs> quarterbacks taken. Yeah. You're supposed to be the leader of this team. You are the starting quarterback. That is traditionally the heart and soul of the team in terms of the public eye. And what do you do? You go and put blame on everyone but yourself. And then we throw, saw, throw a pick
3: six. And then <laughs> throw a pick six.
0: Like we saw the opposite from Landry Jones. Landry Jones in the first half of, the, of his game this week for Dallas looked absolutely awful. Like completely bad. But when they went to him in the interviews – This is on me. I had to play better. And even to the point where he was somewhat annoyed, but he was still like, yeah, I'm playing like crap. I'm throwing the ball in the dirt. That doesn't help. Like, at least he was able to say, you know what? It's because of me that we're not playing well.
1: Yeah, because no part of the game plan you draw up during the week says, hey, overthrow this receiver in this situation (laughs) or throw it directly to the defensive back so he can walk it in for a touchdown.
3: And if you listen to Gilbride afterwards in in the locker room, he put everything on himself. Yes. He said, this is on me. This is my fault. I need to do better. Right, you know, and that's the sign of a leader. There, you know, you, sh- you know, when success happens, it's everybody else, or at least when someone who knew, happen, Yeah,
0: or at least someone who knew when the, when the camera was on,
3: because who knows what happened <laughs> when the camera turned off? Yeah,
0: looking, look, McLoyne yeah. get over here. But no, at least he had the knowledge that, like, yes, I'm going to put this on myself when we had the camera on mm-hmm. when it's publicly going to be known. McLoone simply didn't care, and we've kind of seen this with him. He seems almost disinterested that he doesn't want to like he feels like he deserves to be in the NFL already why does he have to play in the XFL to be here well, we've si-
3: seen that 6 quarters they haven't had any point offensive points i believe yeah. if it's right yeah, yeah. it was 17 nothing in the end of the first half they got the fumble recovery. No, it was twelve nothing. Oh, twelve. And that, points, and that was the,
2: that was the problem I had with yeah. this was this dude is acting like this game is over. They're down forty nothing. You it, can get nine points. On actually, the that actually, I think the first score. half might even been nine nothing. I mean, yeah, like, that's one possession in this league. Mm-hmm. Like, literally. why are you acting and like this game this, is this, over? That happened last week. So, uh, between that and and to further the point, like you said, I actually disagree with your point here, Dave. Where he, you said he played well in the first half of that game against the Vipers. He made two throws. I said he played <laughs> I mean, decently, ah, but you know he, what? He managed to. He game left. Bet. He left what could have been twenty-eight to thirty-two points, depending on the extra point situation in the first half on the field, and then the second half was—they uh, pretty much. They had the lead. They saw the Vipers weren't going to score on this de- on their defense, so it was pretty much don't mess up. Well, to be fair to you, though, this is a, a during this NFL season
0: the past year we've seen Garoppolo throw for less than a hundred yards and win ball games no in the to, and yeah but that's a different like, that, that's the thing if you're able to manage right. the game like that
2: you don't have to be great which is fine but that's what i'm saying that's a different argument but to like to think like like the way he acted he managed I, the game it, it, well but the way he acted in that that pressure and at the end of the game was i won this game yeah. when the when the defense was like and then when they lost
0: i didn't lose it Exactly. 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 But we, and we saw, it too, he, when he was, he was o- under-throwing in week one, now he's overthrowing in week two. He's throwing easy picks. I mean, D.C.'s def- defense didn't need the help. They're already an excellent defense, might be the best defense in the league.
1: You know how terrible a pass it has to be for a pick six to happen? Like, a pick six has to be placed poorly with the right amount of poor velocity where the defensive <laughs> back can catch it and catch it in stride and then head the other way. So a lot has to go wrong for a pick six to happen. That's how terrible of throws that we've seen from him in certain ball games. And again, all he has to do is do what he did on the first drive against Tampa Bay and find your tight end, work your running game, work your screen game. Yes, you may be without everybody, but we've seen teams overcome that in other leagues. You You look at Pittsburgh. They were without, at one point, starting receiver, running back, and quarterback. Found ways to win. So you can have okay yeah, our starting left guard was out, but your starting left guard has nothing to do with you overthrowing Mikhail McKay, who's open for a touchdown.
0: For sure I'm, and it's one thing too with with a guy like McLoyne, who's he's been in the league, he's had this pressure on him before that he played at Penn State, you had the pressure pressure on him there. Some of these guys you know really haven't had too much of the pressure. You had Tiyama who was at Old Miss, but never really got a chance in the NFL. You would think he would know better. How to handle that situation?
1: There were guys that were out here on Al Gore's internet telling me that (laughs) Matt McGloin (laughs) was a better quarterback than Terrell Pryor for the Raiders. Uh, Terrell Pryor was probably ahead of his time seeing how we are incorporating the zone read and the offense. And quiet is kept. That's something he didn't do at Ohio State. He ran a profile offense under Jim Trestle. But because he can run, people thought he ran a read option offense. But, yeah, people got on Dwayne Wade's internet and was like, yo, this dude is better. He should be the starter for Oakland. So Matt McGloin probably started to read these press clips and started. He probably was better than he he was and, you know, and, and lost sight. Where is that Matt McGloin that took over, that walked on at Penn State, that took over that program when they went through all those sanctions yeah. and led that team, you know, to, to, uh, to very good wins? That Matt McGloin – can, if he finds his way back to New York, then they'll be just fine. Because yeah. this Matt McGloughan is a different guy than the underdog, gritty, you know, eastern Pennsylvania dude that took over that Penn State team and did great things for the Knitting Lions.
0: Yeah, you're, you're right when saying that because he was put into one of the hardest positions we've seen in college sports in a long, long time right. off of that Penn State scandal and did relatively well. Now, we will say this with Penn State. We've seen this. Historically, last few years with, oh, I don't know, Christian Hackenberg as a Jets fan. I think we should bring him up into the situation. Penn State quarterbacks are really not their strong suit. It's linebackers. It's O-line. It's running back play. You need to have a solid... McSorley was dope. McSorley was probably the best of the three. But this is not exactly, you know, you're not depending on your quarterback at Penn State really to win you games single-handedly like you do, you've seen at Oklahoma. But... I, I, I don't know what happened with this kid, honestly. He, he's gone completely in the other direction. And, again, though, you talk about the, the sound bites. This is going to keep happening. The question is, who's going to be the next one?
3: Because this, this game upcoming is going to be brutal, too.
0: Oh, yeah, no, exactly. What do we got this week? St. Louis. St. Louis. In St. Louis. In St. Louis, In St. Louis, in St. Louis, yeah. St. Louis where he's going to have Ta'amu, well, oh. who had a mediocre career at Ole Miss, despite having great talent around him, really didn't get too much notice, never got a chance in the NFL, who is thriving right now. And you know that's just going to drive McGloin up a wall. Here's
1: what I don't understand about this whole process is that he was drafted with one of the... the, He was a franchise pick. Yeah. You allowed D.C. to not only take Cardell Jones, but also get Tyree Jackson as his backup. And you, as New York, had an opportunity to take a lot of different quarterbacks. You You had an opportunity to take, you know, Tiamu and Walker and Flowers and uh, you know you could have spent some coin on Mandel or what have you if he wanted to play. Uh, you could have got Silvers. You could have gotten a lot of different guys. You chose Matt McLaurin. I don't understand that.
0: You, you know what it was? They wanted to do their best New York Giants impression. They wanted to take an, <laughs> an under an overrated quarterback early to let the better quarterback go to DC. Like C. you
1: drafted him <laughs> to be this way. Depressed me, right? Yeah. Like you know what? I even understand Tampa Bay taking Aaron Murray because. When he was with the Atlanta Legends, he was a better quarterback on the roster, yet they were starting Matt Sims.
0: And, and let, Like, why would yeah. you take
1: Matt Sims anyway?
0: Yeah. Like, that's what I don't get. And, and the Guardians have another guy from the AAF in uh, Luis Perez, mm-hmm. who was a who standout they traded in the for.
1: And they also,
0: this they, is the same. They, tra- they traded Chad
1: Kanoff, who looked okay <laughs> when he was playing with Los Angeles. So, I, I – The Guardians are just following band management I, that they've seen from the rest of the it, area man. for every other sport. And I'm not banging on the, the Guardians. I'm just – I'm just banging on the league how how leagues XFL, CFL, NFL view the quarterback position. It blows my mind. Like that to me was an easy layup. Like, okay, cool. Here are our quarterbacks. Okay, yeah, we're not going to take McLaurin. That's obvious. Uh, but then you draft him with a franchise pick. That means hey, we can't start our franchise without Matt McLaurin. Shout out to Matt McLaurin and his family cuz I don't want to tell them to be mad that you know we going in on on him like this but he earned this one you know
0: yeah he put he literally looked into a camera and said <laughs> go for it and
1: literally and, and then you it. throw all your teammates underneath the bus man like how you going to have respect in the locker room when you just basically said you guys suck i'm the one that's i'm the only one that's out here knowing what i'm doing y'all yeah.
0: screwing up see I, with how annoyed landry jones was in the second or third interview when they had him on the sideline i wonder he if he was given a memo look we know he it might be
1: watched. they they
0: watched the game <laughs> Look, it might be a little rough for you, this one. Don't do this. Right.
3: <laughs> this is what we the, talked about that before the show.
0: He studied film. He studied yeah. McCloin's sideline tape film, not the,
1: on the field. I mean, but, like, if you're a receiver now and you're like, you know what, bro? I could have I could have dove for that, for that pass.
0: And they have good receivers. You got a guy like Big Play McKay who's
2: looked really, really good. You've got some speedsters on the outside who – have been open. Pearson and Joe Horn are r- were running mm-hmm. all day open. And like you mentioned before, Jake Powell might be the most talented tight end in the league. They have the And they beasts. don't
0: use him, which I think partially that's on Gilbride for not having him throw the ball to him more and making that adjustment. But that's still. Did you
1: Did you hear when they went to uh, Gilbride's audio when, because you know they could talk through the play. Right. When they drew up the play, they gave him the play. Oh, yeah. And he told them like, oh, you got so-and-so. In, Oh, and he's I, got him, he's got him. Oh, oh no, Oh no, no, like, <laughs> no, he missed him. So no. they, they've had – the offense is working. They just don't have the right guys starting their QB.
4: I don't know if I can blame Kilbride, Gilbride for uh, Powell's woes because if Gilbride's mentality is anything it was when the Giants, he loves the tight end play, mm-hmm. loves his tight end play. Yeah. I I got to put that on on uh, McGloin until I see further tape because, like I said, you know, being a Giants fan for all of my years, we've always had tight end love
1: coach gives you the play but once the ball snap it's about you finding the right option like here's the yep. play go make the play you know yeah the play may be des- designed for joe horn but if power is open don't be stupid just throw the power yeah and it, you can't go broke making a profit
0: yeah for sure and what's going to be interesting to watch now this week does mcgloin start does he get cut because let's be honest if Matt McGloin was, was a quarterback anywhere in the NFL and he made those kind of
2: comments, he's gone. He's nah, com- nah, nah, nah. No
1: nah but he won't be gone.
2: Or at minimum a fine. It depends on your level of play. Now, if yeah. you're Matt McGloin in like the NFL, the NFL but, you're, but you're perceived as not a franchise guy, you're probably gone. But if you're Aaron Rodgers that critical, you're not, you know, not going right. to be. Right,
0: but, yeah, but with, with the level that he's at, because he's not one of the top five quarterbacks in this league right now. Damn, they got eight teams. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> he's not one of the top five quarterbacks in this league. He does that kind of play, and then he says that. If it, if that's the NFL, he's gone. He's absolutely gone. So it'll be interesting now because we did see Williams come into this game at the end. He went four or six. Shout out to Mitch Trubisky. Now, <laughs> si- si- side note. And we with, got jokes today. Si- side note. <laughs> side note. <laughs> Would Mitch Trubisky? Be out of place in the XFL.
1: No, he probably Mr. Biskey could probably move the football in the XFL. He could he could move the football. Were you are you comparing him to NFL level? You know he's just average.
0: What I, what I'm saying to you is if the Bears could go back, did they take P.J. Walker or
1: do they still take Mr. Biskey at number two? No, they take Deshaun Watson or Pat Mahomes at number two. They trade up to take them. <laughs> they basically trade up to take Mr. Bisky over the MVP and a guy that made a Pro Bowl and won Rookie of the Year in Deshaun Watson. And they also – they could have won with Kaiser. Kaiser, So, (laughs) listen, they could have won with P.J. Walker. That draft class had – that was a very good draft class. And I I was – I liked Trubisky. I didn't like him at two. But there was a bunch of guys that just didn't get an opportunity to play. Had a league like this been around then, we would have seen – the David Washingtons from Old Dominion. We would have seen Gerard Evans from Virginia Tech. We probably would have saw Marquise Williams, you know, a year earlier because he was a year prior to Trubisky's that 2016 class. So I'm glad this league is around. We're seeing guys like Brandon Silvers who, who do the great things in uh, the Sun Belt Conference get an opportunity to continue to play. We're seeing all of these guys get reps. And so when you have retreads like Aaron Murray or a Matt McGlowan or even a Landry Jones. You don't want to see those guys play. You want to see these young up-and-coming guys that didn't get reps, that could blossom into the next Kurt Warner or the next Jake DeLonge like we saw those two guys thrive in the World League.
0: And I was about to say, with, with the draft rankings now coming out, and if you want to check those out, go to Football Game Plan on YouTube and check out the draft rankings there. You just came out with the quarterback grades. You traded 65 guys right? that you think could be pro prospects if they're given the right situation, they developed the right way. Some of those guys are going to end up in the XFL next spring.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: I, I I, mean, we talked about a guy like a Ryan Stanley, you know, and the guys who are going to take this opportunity by the reins and not take it for granted, which I think what is what McGloin has done, to be perfectly honest. He sees this as a stepping stone to say, I should be in the NFL already. Why am I here?
4: One of my questions is, especially with all the XFL woes, supposedly at quarterback, is are, is the XFL going to move more towards the younger guys coming out of college that didn't get the shot in the NFL or didn't make the team, or are they going to go towards the the guys who made the teams in the XFL but couldn't get in the NFL but couldn't get that starting job, who are willing to re, kind of revert back to the XFL to still prove themselves or just earn a paycheck playing football? I think both.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I think honestly, the XFL product will go up when the players who are there take advantage of the
1: opportunity and want to be there like you know who would have been a great XFL quarterback um because every time he played seemed to have played well but now he's at the age where he's obviously he's on the end of his career somebody like uh Mike or Matt Moore for Mm -hmm. the Chiefs you know and or a Tyler Thigpen when they came in and and had those those uh, runs um but Matt Moore would have been a guy that like man, this dude has answered the call every time he's gotten an opportunity um Man, I would like to see what he can do over a full season. Right. And the XFL would have been perfect for a guy like him. Or even a guy like Taysom Hill, who everyone seems to be, you know, thinking that he can play quarterback. Well, here's your opportunity because
0: if he doesn't so you're saying if, if he if Taysom Hill doesn't get a shot as a starting quarterback in the he, NFL, he right. should go to the XFL and prove it. Exactly. I think so.
1: But and, you know why that won't happen? Because deep down Taysom Hill knows he's not a good
4: quarterback. He's got mm. the jokes and the shots today. This is getting this is getting a little bit brutal here. See Taysom Hill, I think that it, it's not going to happen because wherever he goes this off season, he's going to get a multi year contract deal, and it's not going to be a quarterback. But he's going to get a multi year deal as as a utility player, call right. it, and he's not going to have the opportunity at that point to to prove himself in the XFL. Yeah. And, and I'm so, and,
1: I'm, yeah. and I'm, I'm half joking about the Taysom Hill thing, but Trace McSorley would be a great opportunity for him because right now the the quarterback two on the roster is RG three. McSorley won't get an opportunity, you know, to play ahead of RG three. McSorley has the athleticism, played well at Penn State, XFL as a starter would be a great opportunity to increase his profile to see, hey, okay, now our team coming back be like, all right, I, I want to give him that shot to play quarterback because right now, he will never get that opportunity in Baltimore. And we've already seen it too, and talked to, in talking about guys that we've already
0: talked about four, five, six guys that were like, yeah, they're gonna be in the NFL next year, bar none. You know, Jones is gonna be there, PJ Walker's probably gonna be there. Guy like Nelson Spruce is probably going back. Mm-hmm. Like we've already, like this is the spotlight. You know, it, and you talked about you know guys who maybe go to FCS and start rather than go to FBS and sit on the bench. Right. You go to FCS, all of a sudden you're a star. You got a guy like Adam Troutman who's going to Dayton, who right now is probably top one, two tight ends in this draft class. Yeah. He wouldn't have got that if he was the backup at Michigan. He wouldn't have gotten that at Ohio State. No way in hell. So this is the opportunity for these guys who again want to be here. A guy like a Taysom Hill. He's already put it in his mind that he's an NFL guy. He's not going to take a step back.
1: First of all, he's 30. And second of all, he can't throw.
0: But the other thing, Austin, too, though, <laughs> is you might see guys who are at the end of their career who don't get shots in the NFL say, you know what? I want to play one or two more years and play in the XFL and just have it go out that way.
1: At that at that point, it's time to go pro in something other than sports, Dave. <laughs> this message brought to you by the NCAA. <laughs>
0: let's get on to another subject here, though, before we get into week three. And let's talk about the attendance here in the xfl because we that was the big question mark all right it's week two how do they follow up week one to week two and alex you did a piece on this that folks can see on the xfl show on the game plus network check your local listings you mentioned this that with previous leagues previous spring leagues week two is for the most part down big time from week
2: one yeah you saw it in the usfl it dropped 10 percent in attendance ratings and then again in the XFL in 2001 dropped about eight and a half percent so last year the AAF actually saw an increase but a small one and this year you've seen over a nine percent increase in attendance rating and this is now going now we're going into week three and we've already heard that the Battlehawks in St. Louis are going to be filling in about 30 plus thousand people in their stadium when the league is averaging somewhere around 19,000 so that's that's a big deal and um and that just proves the point that Spring League football is something people want.
0: The one thing that you brought up in that piece that really shocked me, though, was the TV ratings in St. Louis. Now, again, St. Louis has been through a hell of an ordeal when it comes to football. They've not lost one, but two NFL professional franchises. They got an XFL one, and they got a six. Oh, what is it, a 6.1, 6.3 rating? 6.1. <laughs> 6.1 rating, TV rating, for the St. Louis BattleHawks. The defending Stanley Cup champion St. Louis Blues were also out of town that night and got a three. That tells you all you need to know in terms of where the XFL is. They're at least more popular than the NHL already.
2: They could have. They could have watched, and this isn't Week One. So if it was Week One, you could even make the argument. Okay, well, you know, it's the first game everyone right. wanted to see. They saw. They saw what the product was Week One, and they still tuned in Week Two over, like you said, the reigning defending stanley cup champion blues so this wasn't like some nhl team that you know you're in the new york area and there's three teams to choose from and one doesn't get the ratings one week fine right. big do this is their team this is a team that just won the cup so yeah and you're you're doubling their their ratings and they played a pretty good team in the predators so was this was a game that you know that yeah. doesn't go unnoticed and i mean to get a six rating like that that's that's impressive
0: and you talk about the, the attendance from week two look at what seattle did yeah. i mean again you know some of the stadiums that these teams are playing in are not going to hold more than 20,000. Where D.C. defenders are playing, Audi Field, right around the 19,000 mark, 20,000 mark. So they're not going to get you know, much more than that during their time. New York obviously has more room to grow. They're in MetLife Stadium. Seattle puts up nearly 30,000. And this again, Seattle's a crazy sports town. It's an absolutely nutty sports town for any sport that they have. Even the ones that are gone in the Sonics. But... This is what we wanted to see week two was how it would take off. In D.C., it was maybe a slightly smaller crowd for back-to-back home games. But still very well attended
4: yeah seattle seattle stadium appeared to be rocking and you see the fans with the dragon costumes like the fans (laughs) not only (laughs) full-blown not only were they there in attendance like everybody was there supporting dressing up like like they would down in like new orleans for the saints or the oakland raiders like you've seen the fans truly get into it yeah and I, i loved how the seattle seahawks also embraced the dragons like you had kj wright show up you had cam chancellor show up like the nfl team nfl team players are starting to back the xfl a little bit at least show up in attendance and appear to support them now they've a couple of them come out and commented that they wouldn't play in the xfl (laughs) that's all well and good you guys are you guys are more than qualified to be where you are in the nfl right but the support that they're there that they're enjoying their time they're enjoying the product it's going to go huge for the xfl and it'll be even better if even more of these cities and stadiums and these teams can get behind the, the product as well
0: yeah you Mentioned, and you mentioned NFL players. You saw uh, Spruce piling around with, with uh, Gurley on the mm-hmm. sideline in L.A. You know, they were teammates together for a couple of years with the Rams. Uh, so you have guys you know, they are also supporting their friends, which is, which is really good to see. They could easily be like, XFL, we don't really want to touch this. You know what I mean? We don't have to touch this. It's not NFL-affiliated. We don't have to be here. They're doing it anyway.
3: You saw that also just with a lot of the other stadiums too. I mean, Seattle, being what it is, it is 12th man. Yeah. You know, but I saw something uh, in Houston the other day, you know, uh, I think it was James Butler went full Lambo leap into the stands <laughs> and he's sitting there and just like taking selfies with the fans.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know,
3: and it's like that kind of stuff endears, you know, the fans to the sport. Oh, yeah. You know, where it shows it's not just us and them, it's us. Yeah. And that's a huge thing that I think is a big part of this because we, it's funny, we don't really mention the AAF anymore because it's kind of just a distant and somewhat, right. I think to a degree, sad memory. But there's so much more energy in just even the state, even the uh, locations that have, you know, teams already. Now, like I said, Seattle is a totally different football entity than, say, maybe Houston would be with the Texans. St. Louis obviously has been football-starved for years, and like you mentioned earlier, right. has lost two teams in a period of, you know, in this case, 30 years. They lost two teams. <coughs> Excuse me. But in other places, I mean, L. A. had energy. They got the two. They got two teams over there. There's something about this that gives a certain vibrancy where it is, one could make the argument maybe minor league football, but at the same token, it has such a vibrancy to it that the fans don't care. Yeah. You know, the the true fans, I mean, some of the casual ones are like, okay, this isn't on par to the Super Bowl, it doesn't count. But a lot of the fans are just like, this is what we want now. Yeah. And this, we talked about this last week, they're going to try and focus on a three-year game plan to really build this. Where I think what they're going to try and do is try and stage some sort of coup and snag somebody who would have been drafted in the NFL. Yeah. You know, and pull something where you're like, holy crap, he went there. Yeah. And I think that's the kind of thing that the XFL, I think, needs to do a little bit. Because they had what? um, They had Green in Seattle. That's arguably the biggest coup so far. But getting something like that out of the draft will set this thing, I think, to a brand new level.
0: Well, I, I think you mentioned that, too. Fans were looking for something new. And this is a weird story out of my, literally, my barbershop when I was getting a haircut a couple weeks ago when I mentioned that, you know, I was, oh, yeah, I was at the game, whatever. I was just like, oh, yeah, it was great. My, you know, my barber was like, yeah, it was fantastic. My, my, my brother and his son were able to go. They were actually able to take a time, you know, and just, you know, actually enjoy the game. You can't bring a family game to, you know, family to a Giants or Jets game anymore.
2: You funny, can't do it.
3: Funny thing, uh, when we were at the, uh, the Guardians game, and yeah. We were in the press conference there. I got a message later on from somebody I graduated high school with and haven't and Facebook friends with, but haven't seen in you know, twenty seven years. Yeah, he's like, you were inside there. I was outside watching. Yeah. So the next game that we end up going to, I'm going to meet up with this guy that I haven't seen in almost thirty years here.
0: Yeah, exactly.
3: And, you know, and that's like I said, what this this brings the family aspect of it because it's also affordable.
0: It's a, it's also affordable and so much more access too. We were at the that first Guardians game. They had a full autograph session with the full team for yeah. season ticket holders. That's not going to happen in the NFL. Mm-hmm. You get one or two. It will happen for Matt McLaurin next week,
1: though.
0: <laughs> 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 just just have a picture of him with the microphone in his face. That's the photo he's known for. But no, it, like you don't get that in the NFL. Like you see it in sports that maybe are a little bit smaller. Like with the, with MLS, this happens quite a bit. You'll see, you know, maybe not during after games, but you'll see meet and greets with the team. Where you can go around the stadium and get autographs with all of them and do activities and that sort of thing, XFL is doing that, and you get the fans involved that way. You get them committed that
3: way.
2: It, like I said, it's not just us and them; it's all everybody together. Yeah. Yeah, they've established the XFL's established identity, and it's a different identity than the NFL. The NFL, it's its own beast, right? They, they've taken over Sundays; it's a holiday. But for, but like you guys mentioned, it's a family atmosphere, and that's what they're they're trying to make it more inclusive, and that's one of the the baselines they have they don't have to pay their players they don't have to do all those things yet so yeah. what can you do you can be a little cheaper with the pre- the ticket prices you can you can make things more accessible to the fans and uh, the players and the coaches more accessible to the fans and just be and just the simple things like the broadcast i still believe ABC did not step up their game. I thought they were actually even more inc- <laughs> intrusive this week. But that was a different conversation. But, How's I mean, that third interception ha- feel? I, I, the fact that the dude was laying down on the ground while the dude was stretching, I thought no, that was see, like, all right, man, see, this that has was gone heli- too far. That was hilarious. No. Though. <laughs> that was hilarious. That was too far No, it wasn't. That was hilarious. <laughs> no, nah, no, no.
1: The spruce coming off the field after he scored a touchdown. That yeah, was Going hard. back to but the one, huddle. That one more yeah. It's like, yo, I just scored. I'm out of breath, number one. You know what I'm saying? And I don't have time to talk to you. Yeah, the whole yeah, it was a really good play.
0: And it was really you know, really good throughout and good throw. Yeah, we'll go for yeah. That that that's right. that that's good. That, that the could laying go. on the, the laying on the stretching thing that was hilarious because he was that was that was full commitment by that reporter <laughs> to get the correct angle and be on the same level as the player. Well done. I d- thought that was, hilarious. <laughs> but anyway, um, I liked it though. Right? I
2: liked it. Yeah, Two exactly. out of three. But I think that like I like we were saying though it has the identity and that's and like you'll see in the game the Game Plus Network where I get into it. But I mean, think of a place like Seattle. They're, you know, you're. It's got to be doing something right if twenty plus thousand are going to see in the go rain see, too. In the rain, in the, rain mi- in the cold, middle of February, pushing thirty thousand. You know, you're, you're, you've got uh, a guy like Russell Wilson. You could watch on Sundays, but instead, you filled up to go watch Brandon Silvers. Like that means people <laughs> want football. Shout that's,
0: out to the Sunbelt Belt Shout-out <laughs> so to the Sunbelt Conference. Emory, got any thoughts on this before we move into Week Three
1: on uh, attendance? On the attendance thing. And and, just stop. Worrying, people are. It's almost like. The, this talk about attendance is the same as the people's like. Well, if Lamar Jackson takes one hit, I mean, listen, if he gets hurt, <laughs> uh, if he get, like they're waiting for the league to for people not to show up so they can have something to talk about. Yeah, people are showing up because no one wants to go and watch hockey. No one wants to go and watch soccer. Um, no one wants to go and watch. That, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know about that. No you one wants watch, to go and watch Daytona Five Hundred. That I agree with yeah. you. <laughs> no one wants you. to go and watch, you know, uh, golf. So yeah. That's a football. personal insult. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> football is America's passion. So anytime you can line up and go play football, especially in these Sunbelt cities uh, like Tampa or uh, – well, they only have one in Sunbelt City, but you get the point. If it's in great conditions, I'm going to go watch a football game because there's contact and there's skill involved and all that good stuff like that. No one, wants to, no one talks about baseball, Tuesday baseball, where 19 people are in the stands. Like, yeah. no one talks about that. <laughs> well, people are talking about baseball now for only a different reason, but oh, yeah. Right. yeah. But the reason why people love football is because it happens one day out of the week. And so you can't miss it. It's like uh, – it's going back to the days of what we had growing up, um, Destination Television. You know, your favorite show comes on that Thursday at 7 o'clock. You don't get the whole season at, at, at once like we now do with Netflix and all the stuff like that. So you have to – so with football – Man, the, the one show comes on Saturday at 2 p.m. We gotta be there. It's an event. Exactly. And, uh, All the other stuff y'all can keep. I will say this: the one team I will be watching. Shout in out to terms the Blackhawks, of... though.
0: Shout out to the Blackhawks. <laughs> uh, one team I will be watching this week, though, is uh, <laughs> is, <laughs> is going to be come from? <laughs> <laughs> the one guy team I'm going to be watching, though, in terms of attendance, is going to be Tampa Bay because they've had back-to-back really pretty poor performances. So, it'll be interesting to see. I I think for the first home game, I think they will have good support, at least for that first game.
2: Kind of a must win, because, I mean... They are. They are in the worst situation though right now. They don't have. They they're they're not playing the quarterback that they all want. They're playing the worst football of the XFL. And now you get your first game against PJ Walker and the Roughnecks. Whew. Yeah, at home. Oh, see, I got a little more. <laughs> that love. one's gonna tough. Oh,
3: I guess should we cover it now or just or hold on? Because I have a couple of thoughts on the Vipers in that game going up. Well, well let me just preview the game real quick, Fair and then enough. we can
0: go right into your point. Perfect. Tampa Bay Vipers getting in that first home game of the season, taking on the Houston Roughnecks. That game is Saturday at two o'clock on ABC. Tampa Bay. Have not been playing well. Houston's been playing very well. Should be done on paper, but will it be?
3: I, you know what? I'm going to go in the minority on this. I'm going to say that Vipers have a, a shot at this one. Okay. You know, the reason I'm saying this is because their defense, all things considered, has been good. Now, that's good. I know. I, yeah. <laughs> but if you look at the numbers on a lot of this, statistically speaking, they've been relatively solid on a lot of stuff. The biggest thing that I noticed is that on third down, they are basically 17 for 20 on stopping your opponents in third down. Good. Which is a huge thing. Now, P.J. Walker is going to be a beast to go against, and arguably the worst person you can you know go against as a quarterback in a must-win situation like this. Right. But the one thing I've noticed about Tampa is that they get a lot of transplant fans from other parts of the country that move down there. You know, when I was at the Tropicana Field for a couple games, there was more Yankee fans there than there were, you know, Rays fans. Right. This is the chance for everybody in that area to unite in a brand new team. True. So I think that's going to help it a little bit there. Now, they do have a couple of things they got to work on. The huge thing, obviously, being the turnover aspect of it. Yes. Statistically speaking, if you are negative two in turnovers in the NFL, last 15 years, you have an 18% chance of winning. Negative three, you have a 9% chance of winning. Negative four, by the way, is 2% if you really want to go that far with it. <laughs> You're just screwed at that point. But, and like I said, if they can keep the turnovers down and control the stuff, I think they got at least a puncher's chance at this one.
1: Amory, do you agree with this statement, or I just like the Vipers helmet, and I, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I just like the colors. <laughs> I mean, when you think about the Vipers, and because Tampa Bay, the Bucks, you know, they leaked the video last week, alluding to maybe a, a potential uniform change, right, for this upcoming season, that they'll probably release on draft night or something like that, mm-hmm. like the Falcons will. Um, and if you watch the video, it shows them kind of alluding to bringing back the, the creamsicles yes. <laughs> which is the best or just try to incorporate the creamsicles with the modern A lot look of teams are
3: going retro that way you
1: have to because if you're that's why i'm upset that the houston renegades didn't go full houston oilers colors that would have worked but shout out to the to the uh desperate or uh, the renegades uh, <laughs> of dallas using that same color mm-hmm. scheme but um, Tampa Bay definitely needs this win.
3: Even Seattle has more or less the same color scheme. To if they go back
1: to the silver helmet, I think mm-hmm. they win all the championships.
0: <laughs> Ale- Alex or, and or Troy, what, uh, what do you want for this game? What are you looking for?
4: I don't think the Vipers have much of a shot against the Roughnecks. I mean.
3: I'm Tampa loyal. I'm sorry. Just <laughs> PJ Walker's <laughs> been
4: balling out. And the fact that they're 17 of 20 on third down, that pretty much tells me that they don't get too much third downs that these teams are converting on first or second down consistently <laughs> uh and if that's the case then pj walker's gonna have a field day
1: only way they have a opportunity is that they keep trying to force feed the ball to sammy coates who drops every pass thrown his way <laughs> now if they start uh quentin flowers now we could have potentially what could be a prime time matchup because that offensive line of Tampa Bay is really good. Yeah, because
4: if you start flowers, that means that they're they're going to be utilizing the running game a lot more. And if you're utilizing still... the running game, then you're taking time of possession away from the Roughnecks, and that would be the
3: MO to get the dub. They are ahead on time of possession in the first two games. But the, like you said, actually, to add on to a little real quick, they are the only team in the XFL that does not have an offensive touchdown this year.
2: And you're going to need a score, because we saw last week with the Battle Hawks, who are arguably the top three team in the league, Jordan Tiamo made – two mistakes, and they weren't even really his mistakes, but they made two mistakes, and that was enough to cost them a two-score lead. That's why I said puncher. So, <laughs> That's yeah. right. If you're going to go, if Tampa Bay's best chance, like you said, with going with Flowers, but they can't just go with Flowers and plug him in to the system that they have. They need to fit the system into what he can do well. And like Emery just mentioned, the offensive line for the Vipers is very good. They can run the ball. And if you get a dynamic guy back there like Flowers every snap, not just throwing him in on third downs and shorts and – all these other special packages where it's obviously now they're running the ball. Um, they can be dynamic and they can keep themselves in this game, but until they fully commit, I don't like the Vipers' chance.
0: Alex, let's go back to you for this second game here. Uh, Dallas running games taking on the Seattle Dragons, 5 o'clock on Saturday on Fox. Seattle's defense stepped up nicely last week. They had 11 tackles for loss, 4 sacks, 3 interceptions. Granted, again, still against Tampa Bay. They take on a Dallas team, though, that was ru- certainly did not look 100% in the first couple quarters. Came on strong late in the game to get the win over the L.A. Wildcats. How do we see this game going? Is there anything you're watching for in this game? Because it's an intriguing one.
2: Uh, I'm going to see, because it took until the fourth quarter for Dallas to finally realize that Cameron Artis-Payne and this running game and Lance Dunbar need to be more involved. And I think that's part of been the issue with the quarterback play league-wide is that they're relying way too much on the quarterback position despite not having the time and everything to be established guys to do that. Um, everybody wants Cardell Jones, but not everybody's Cardell Jones, and they have to learn that. And I think if they take some of the pressure off Landry Jones like they had given him in the first half where he had to make every play, I think this could be a very interesting game and a different dynamic because everyone's going to expect the Renegades to just throw 45, 50 times, and that could blow you out or that could keep the other team in the game. And in a game like the against the Dragons where they're going to look to run the ball and rely on defense – Uh, you're going to want to put up points early because if you keep them around in the game, we saw Brandon Silver struggle for three and a half quarters but then throw the necessary strike to win the game last week.
4: Troy, what are your thoughts on this game? He darn near took all of them, to tell you the truth. (laughs) I mean, with that Renegades offense, you're looking for them to to, to just throw it all over the place. And, yeah, Landry's first game didn't go as far as par but they got the job done through the running game and maybe that will be their strength but we won't know that for a few weeks um but that seattle team i don't know if silvers is the answer quarterback it seemed as though until he threw that strike in last week's game that it wasn't going as planned and bj daniels might have needed to have stepped up but yeah i mean quarterback play in this one is silvers going to be able to finish out the game strong or will we see bj daniels
0: Shout out to Keenan Reynolds and Navy, by the way. Scott, what are your thoughts on this game?
3: I think Artis Payne, uh, they're going to have to contain him. That last game that he had was just incredible. Right. You know, the two TDs, nearly 100 yards on that. Um, I think Seattle, obviously, the home crowd's going to be a big part of it. You're dealing with 12th man again. But they're also a team that really, honestly, didn't play well last week. Okay. You know, they had the one touchdown, obviously, which looks gorgeous. But then they had no passing yards despite that. Right. You know, it was a really kind of a weak game, all things considered, which is why I'm trying to give, you know, Tampa a little leather. But I think in this case, I think Dallas is going to take this one. I really do. I think Seattle's going to, they're just not ready yet.
1: Emmerich? Seattle doesn't drop interceptions. I love their secondary. They turn the ball over to high Their defense has been excellent. They're going to have a lot of opportunity to catch the ball here against Dallas. So that's something to watch. We'll see if Landry Jones can be better this week and find that consistency that we saw on the tail end of the game against L.A. Let's go into the third game here,
0: ESPN, 3 o'clock on Sunday. The New York Guardians traveling traveling to St. Louis to taking on the Battle Hawks. Emery, we talked about St. Louis. They look to be the most complete teams in terms of offensive game plan. They run the ball very, very well. Passing game has gotten very good under Siamo. New York Guardians, they're going to have a lot of distractions going up this week. How do they put shut that out and actually be effective here?
1: Well, it's going to be interesting for him, but uh, you have to step up and just get ready to play. I think defensively they'll be ready on both sides of the ball, and we'll see what happens on offense. If they can find any continuity, they'll have an opportunity to have some success. We saw P.J. Walker have success. If McGloin or whoever's going to start can have the success or stay out of you know harm's way as far as throwing the football to, to the other team or not just being effective, They have a chance. They have the defense. They have the ability to run the ball. They have a tight end that can control the middle of the field. They didn't see it. Remember, St. Louis didn't see a tight end in week one against Dallas. They didn't see one against Houston because both of those run those that run and shoot, they don't throw to their tight ends a lot. Dallas doesn't even have one on the roster. And so, (laughs) literally, they're all receiving no tight ends. So, Jake Powell could be in for a big day. Scott, what are your thoughts?
3: Agreed. I think this could be a very, very ugly game very quickly. I think that New York has to get last week out of their system as fast as possible. You know, this was, like I said, that was a, that was just a brutally bad game there. And I think in this league, being only 10 games, you got to flush it out faster. And uh, I don't see it happening. I just don't.
4: Going away from the Guardians' offensive woes, not going to touch that, I'm going to focus on their defense. Which and was not bad. It, it has not been bad the first two weeks of the season. But one thing that I have noticed is that they do struggle against the mobile quarterback. In Mm. the first half of week one against the Vipers, they pretty much locked Aaron Murray down. But then once Flowers came in, Flowers was able to have success on the ground. And once he was, so were the running backs and so forth. And for the defenders, they weren't playing bad, but I did realize that there was times Cardell Jones would tuck the ball away, and they really didn't have the answer for that, especially on key third downs, where Cardell Jones would rip it off for 7 or 12 yards. And going against Te'amu, that can be a huge
2: problem for the Guardians.
4: Alex, your thoughts?
2: I mean, this is going to be it's a big uh, response game here for the Guardians, and uh, this is a big, big game if Matt McGloin's given the reins and, and has to step in now. He's got a lot of critics to answer, including us, and uh, he's going to have to show up and play his best game. What I think is good about it for the Guardians is that they got their one road game out of the way. and I mean, things are different on the road, uh, obviously, especially when you're a new team. They bust down to D.C. They got that feeling of getting back on the road and getting things going now this is their second game they feel a little more refreshed and whether it's against them or for them that crowd is going to be very lively so maybe they could use the energy of the crowd in their favor at some point just from general interest
1: I got a bone to pick with Alex, but I'm going to wait till we're done. Go ahead. <laughs> All those,
0: although St. Louis might not have the giant beer snake that we saw at D.C., the giant uh, <laughs> the beer cups that went up <laughs> about 15 rows in the extra end. Let's go to the last game, though, and let's go to Sunday. Fox Sports 1, 6 o'clock. D.C. defenders taking on the L.A. Wildcats. L.A., obviously the storyline we from week one was they fired the defensive coordinator. The defense looked much better against Dallas. Didn't quite get the job done, but certainly an improvement. Their offense certainly looked a little bit more explosive with josh johnson as for dc this is the best defense in the league by far bar none their secondary is all over the place they are ball hawks the linebacking core scooby Wright put it best i just came up and hit that guy in the mouth (laughs) (laughs) so that that was his quote from week one
2: how do we see this game going because this one could be a little bit intriguing yeah they even got better too last week by adding anthony johnson to that roster so to add to that great secondary but uh, this is going to be all eyes on Winston Moss in this defense for LA Because you fire Pepper Johnson after week one You have a better showing But it was Landry Jones and the Renegades It wasn't PJ Walker who they have to face Now you got to face Cardell Jones So this team gets exploded, exploited again for 35 plus points What's going to be the excuse this time? Can't fire everybody, can't fire yourself So what's it going to be? So I think the eyes are here on Winston Moss And if Josh Johnson can pick up where he left off In the fourth quarter of that game last week with the Renegades Troy, yeah, what are your thoughts?
4: Yeah, I was pretty much going to say reiterate that point with Josh Johnson. He missed week one, came in week two, still got the L against the Dallas Renegades. Now he's going up against, like you said, arguably the best defense in the league. It's not going to get any easier for him. Former NFL quarterback, he's going to have to show out and prove that he was worth L.A. taking him.
3: Agreed. I think that defense is going up against you know him and also Spruce as well. You know Spruce has averaged roughly 100 yards a game right now the first two games of the season. So it's going to be really interesting. I think it's going to be a great matchup that way. You know, this is, like I said, it's only week three. But this is, this is possibly going to be one of the first, you know, best games of the first half.
1: Elijah Hood has to hold on to the football. He has fumbled in both games so far. He fumbled twice inside the red zone last week, yeah. which essentially you could say cost them the game. To yep. be honest, that's points off the board. He has. They can't have any mistakes this week if they want to beat D.C.,
0: that's gonna be an interesting one to watch, folks. That'll do it for the no, week two. No, that won't two. do it. No, no, no. I, I'm gonna. Oh. I'm setting you up for your point. Go ahead. Relax. That'll do it for the week <laughs> two. Pro, uh, week the week three preview. See now you got me all out of joint because you interrupted me. Thank you for see Troy. Now know where, you Good. C- where you're coming from. Thank you. David. Anyway, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> that'll do it for the week three Good. preview here on the XFL Game Day Podcast. Again, if you want to listen back on any of these other podcasts, go to SoundCloud or iTunes to listen to them there. And this has been the comedy show from Every Hunt today. <laughs> Take your final shot, sir.
1: Well, I, first of all, why wrap up the show if I had another point? That's why I was trying to stop you right there in your tracks. Uh-huh. But <laughs> I was working on grading these prospects, right? And so, you know, I had a, a break in between. I took a small break. Otherwise, it would have been, you know, chaotic just staring at this the computer screen for God knows how many hours, right? I start at 530, and I take a break around noon. So this was maybe around 1130. And so while I'm getting ready to take my break, I saw Alex's uh, tweet pop up from he does a weekly spot on uh, 1280. Uh, What's the score? 1260. The score 1260. Every Friday he breaks down. He's an XFL guru. I love the show. They do a great. He does a great job in breaking down the XFL. He's a weekly recurring guest. This past episode, he said something that was incredibly dumb. Oh. oh
2: let's go shots here, fired here we go
1: so they and the, and the host the whole set him up for this and i thought alex having been trained under football <laughs> game playing wing would have answered this like a pro
0: let me get another microphone on the camera just to make sure we get this on tape
1: so <laughs> they brought up you know, the vipers we talked about the vipers how the vipers are trained. i have absolutely right? no idea by the way this, this is great oh yeah <laughs> this right so they talk about the vipers then they ask him uh so alex you know, with the Vipers being, you know, bad or blah 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 or you know, or these X F L team, could the best college team uh, be one of these X F L oh, teams? He knows that he knows the Down folks Alex he, he, got up on Don Imus's radio and was <laughs> like yeah, I think well, if you look at maybe LSU playing uh whoa, 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 playing whoa. Tampa context Bay context here. Tampa Bay probably LSU could probably beat Tampa oh, Bay. Man. Did you did you did you not or did you did you I say I said
2: to start this. Did you? I, I said I will I will get into that. Let me just I that popcorn said here, folks. <laughs> when it started that the I said you can't go by any of these teams after week 1. I said looking at this on paper that there's that it's too soon to say anything like that. I said, but if there was any team that LSU could beat, it could be the Tampa Bay Vipers if I went by what I saw the last two weeks and they don't improve.
1: Because because of your statements, Uh-oh. you put it out there in the universe, and I'm looking at a tweet from Bleacher Report Gridiron that has this. Who wins, LSU or <laughs> Tampa Bay? Oh the, fact, the fact that this conversation is, is being brought up is dumb on its surface because – do people realize college football teams is filled with 18 to 20 year olds? They will get smoked by <laughs> grown men. Don't matter how terrible the Tampa Bay Vipers are. We just talked about their great offensive line. Now imagine that great offensive line that is filled with 25 to 29 year olds, blocking dudes that are between 18 to 21. You know, and on the flip side, imagine that LSU offensive line trying to block grown men and those receivers are trying to get off bump press against grown defensive backs with savvy techniques
2: like and, this game wouldn't even listen, be close. Listen, listen well, what, what I did say too in that is because we still don't know with the Vipers. We still don't have we don't have a full year. How NFL many nineteen on year olds no, but, on the Vipers? Right but now. my point was that if when I, we went into further into that discussion, I said now if you're going to say because I said I've seen people make the argument with the Cincinnati Bengals and the lsu tigers and i said cincinnati would smoke them i said that wouldn't even be close fair but that's so, not what the argument but, but but that's what but i was like we don't know yet still with the vipers we still don't know if mark trust is going to throw off that offense against joe burrow i don't know how I many don't know how many <laughs> 18 year
1: olds are there on the tampa bay vipers rough estimate 18 year olds yeah probably none how many are on lsu probably their entire freshman class right so let's say about 25 right 19 year olds how about another 25?
0: How many of them are actually starting? And what you're saying is that the guys that are in, on LSU's team they are going to be first and second round draft picks are not better than the XFL. So you're saying that the Vipers could beat NFL talent I'm
1: not saying they would beat LSU. I'm saying they would beat the brakes off LSU. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but no, but not but – oh, I no, see. But the NFL, there are NFL guys on that LSU team, so you're saying that
0: XFL players could beat NFL prospects that are going to be starting in the NFL week one.
2: Yes. So you're telling me if Dan Williams and Taylor Cornelius line up against Jefferson, Joe Burrow, guys that are all going to be taken in the first round, they're, they're going to be just as explosive offensively. These these uh, Delpit playing safety and like all these other players on LSU. Here's they, what you guys don't worry, Alex.
1: I got you. Here's what you guys don't <laughs> understand. They will struggle to get a playoff because of the offensive line. That's the difference. The O-line, D-line, that right there is the biggest difference. That's why you're able to see freshmen come out of high school or people come out of high school and play right away as true freshmen at skill positions. You don't normally see that up front. Why? That's true. Because it takes strength and conditioning and weight. You put one of these 18-year-old freshmen, 19-year-old redshirt sophomore offensive lineman against uh, Anthony Johnson, he would get smoked like
2: it would, but, it would they would struggle to get a you're, playoff. You're absolutely right, but Anthony Johnson's play for the Vipers, and that was my whole <laughs> that was my whole point with the Vipers. There's nobody on the, there's nobody on both sides of the ball where I look and I'm like, all right, yeah. Like besides the offensive line, I will give that that offensive line. I think is so. You don't think a Quentin Flowers-led yeah. offense would smoke LSU? But it's Quentin Flowers leading the offense. That's what I'm saying. After week two, and we need to wait. If Quentin Flowers, that's what I said I said in there, if the Vipers go to Quentin Flowers and they and they put together. Five, six wins and show they can compete. Right now, they're showing that they, can't, they can not They barely compete right now in the first two weeks of the XFL. It took it took a really bad performance from Seattle on offense to keep them in the game. So that was my whole point. And I think, like I, like we were saying, the NFL, there's no shot. And I don't care. You could take the, the Lions team that didn't win a game. You take any team. And I don't care if you put an all-star team of, of uh, uh the best college players. It's not going to work. I, I will hand that down. But for the XFL, we still don't know. It's still too new
1: ruin my lunch because think about it. You could <laughs> take still a team <laughs> You could take a team full of NFL rookies and they won't beat the worst NFL team. And this is a team of rookies because you can't have that much youth out there and, and experience out there on the field.
2: Yeah, but that's, that's fine. That's NFL, but this this is XFL, and that's why that's why I said there's Bro, an argument there. Is this
0: there. ESPN first take right here? Do I have to step <laughs> yeah. in like, all
1: right,
2: guys, that's enough. But you
1: agree with him, so you're in the same boat. Like, I agree with both of you on certain points. There boys. is no way LSU can beat this championship team. LSU can beat the Vipers. Folks, you may not agree with the takes here at Football
0: Game Plan, but you can't say we aren't entertaining. Let, anyway. us, know, let us know what you think. <laughs> let us know what you think. We'll send out surveys. I in think. The I of the think
2: court. if any of the teams that are set up to win, it'd be a team like LSU too, because this is a guy like Joe Burrow who got who get the ball out of his hands and quickly. <laughs> you don't have to worry about. We're all not that talking about this anymore. I want to nail it. Like every we're every XFL player was okay, a we're stud stud in college.
0: <laughs> I'm trying to wrap this up, folks. I really am. <laughs>
2: but. I, I agree, but that's why I would be. I'm not saying LSU is going to blow them out of the water. I'm not saying LSU will
1: get <laughs> d- defeated. but I'm saying it will get Y'all corrupt. are ridiculous. Y'all no, are I'm, ridiculous. I'm going
2: to say this stuff.
3: You know, you no, now to, you're getting no, no, no. Scott. No, no. i just going to say for the, the people here. that are listening, I'm that are actually listening to this, they hear your wrap up 10 minutes ago, and they're looking at the timestamp <laughs> on this, thinking. What the hell's going on for the next? Thing? He started trying to wrap it up. I tried to look at it. And say like I tried to. On I was things.
0: interrupted before I could throw it to the point, and now we've ended up in an eleven-minute dis- discussion. Well, anyway, folks, that will do it for the week three preview. One here more? The thing. No, no, not anymore. <laughs> Stop it. Ew. Enough. That'll do it for the XFL week three preview show. If you want to listen back on any of these other podcasts, don't forget to go to iTunes, SoundCloud, and subscribe while you're there. Check out the XFL and Scout Team shows on the Game Plus Network. Check your local listings for the availability there. For the LSU uh, spokesman, Emory Hunt, Scott Churchin, Troy Anthony, and Alex Maranoni, I've been David Hasagan. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.